Hello and welcome back to Talking Insights, the podcast series from SMO. I'm your host, Sri Gubindaraju, and throughout the series, we're taking a closer look at the key topics of today, taking a step beyond the world of research and insights to tackle the big issues of our time. Our sector deals with understanding and predicting the world that we live in. So let's look beyond the numbers and dive into the most important conversations of today that will shape our tomorrow. AI is touted by many as the innovation that will change the course of human history. After all, creating an intelligence that can rival that of a human being, perform complex tasks autonomously, and learn over time has been the subject of science fiction speculation for decades. But finally, it seems we are on the verge of the AI revolution. But just how close are we really to seeing the rise of a true AI? And does AI necessarily have to be something that is used to automate repetitive or pattern-based activities? What creative possibilities does AI offer us? How can we use AI to help society? And what questions still remain to be answered about AI's impact on our societies and civilizations? Joining me today to discuss the lesser-known applications of AI is Zeno Koenigs, a creative technologist and project lead of AI technologies at XR based in Amsterdam. Zeno is working on the boundary line between XR and AI, working with a variety of stakeholders to develop responsible AI-based technologies and advanced immersive experiences. He's also the co-founder of TETI, an Amsterdam-based volunteering initiative, and has an extensive background in creative consultancy and content creation. Zeno, thank you very much for joining us today. Hi, Shrikar. Good to be here. So just to kick things off, um, from your point of view, if you had to sum up your dream for artificial intelligence as a, as a quick elevator pitch, what would it be? Right. So um, AI or AGI, uh, preferably AGI by the time we mm-hmm. get there. Um, I kind of see it as this, this, this hopefully a shepherd, some sort of uh, sidekick that can assist human beings along their journey throughout every day to day possibilities. And maybe even from a transhumanist point of view, something that will guide us through the universe while you know, we can just live our humanly lives. <laughs> so AI kind of takes care of the day-to-day, the kind of minutia detail in humans, you know, we as a species can focus on the bigger picture, the big questions. Exactly. And uh, sometimes we can consult with our AGI as yeah, something that will, you know, guide us through all the steps that we needed to do, right? So um, not just... Um, Wait, let me let me rephrase this. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a big topic. I know it's hard sometimes to kind of condense these uh, right, yeah, so, into, into one sentence. Exactly. So it's this. It's an AGI will will basically help us, and uh, will also make some decisions for us. And sometimes it will reflect on decisions that we've made, and therefore, you know, almost as if we have our own personal little psychologist next to us mm-hmm. or somewhat an extended um, consciousness, right? So mm-hmm. if you'd be, for example, in politics, you'd have an AGI giving you a certain, um, we would say, in Dutch, but it will show you to what extent or what collateral damage or what collateral effect that your intentions will have because you have an AGI that does all these minute calculations right mm-hmm. from the get-go that you start doing something, basically. This is um, how I see AGI in the future being a shepherd to our own personal being, but maybe also to our society. So just before we before we continue, now using the terms AI and AGI here, now this is something I'm familiar with from, uh, from Max Tugmark's book, uh, Life 3.0, 
just to mm. kind of sum up for our listeners, uh, what is the difference between AI and an AGI, so an artificial general intelligence? Right. So AI at the, at the moment, it's it's focusing on one specific task, um, and we 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 repetitively learn it to become better at it. But it also so, shows some flaws. While an AGI will basically sum up all the AIs that we've made and we'll be able to, well, hopefully <clears throat> reflect on its own actions and we'll be able to teach it what it's done wrong and what it has to change to become better. Um, and therefore, you know, it's it's more general. It's something that mm -hmm. actually has uh, the intelligence that we hope to relate to in the near future. Um, while a normal AI would basically just know how to talk with us about cats yeah. or, you know, like something minute that we've taught it. Yeah. So I think one of the examples that's given in the book is, uh, you know, if we're trying to create an intelligence here, that's similar to human beings, you know, we tend to know a little bit about a lot of things uh, as opposed to having just incredibly in-depth knowledge about just one specific thing. Right. Uh, yeah, think, exactly. And one of the areas, of course, I think that applies to most is, uh, is creativity and the creative arts, which, at the moment, we still see something that's very human-driven and something that you know a machine couldn't possibly replicate uh, the kind of creative impulses that a human being has. Uh, and I know this is an area that, that you work in, so you work in a more creative-driven uh, approach to AI. So how do you see your, your background you know, previously in design and in creative spaces? How does this shape your approach to developing AI solutions? Right. So uh, at the moment, we're seeing a lot of... Um AGI or AI actually in this case AI backed um, projects where we use um, the scraping of the internet or certain uh, databases to um, either enhance the work that you're doing for example if it's data driven you use an AI to work at a much faster pace collecting on a much broader range of data points or uh, data sets uh, to get an output, which, you know, uh, like five to 10 years ago, we'd be having to collect all these data, this data ourselves and then put them mm -hmm. in spreadsheets and therefore getting a data-driven uh, answer. But you can also use it on a more visual scope where um, we've seen this project, which is about architecture, and then they learn this AI uh, reading in on all these uh, different forms of architecture, like all these blueprints. And then it starts creating uh, shapes which fit within certain areas, which otherwise, you know, you'd be having to draw this yourself. But now you can just see how on some semi-organically sh shape, this sort of creates a very cool, um, well, in input and output of the certain space that you have in mind with the parameters of like, it has to be, for example, you need to have this much space to move in or you need to have mm -hmm. um, a certain amount of height, et cetera. So this is AI basically creates um, new perspectives on things that we've otherwise, or maybe not have come about because we ourselves have been learning certain ways and have our own patterns and traits. And then mm -hmm. AI just sort of just goes there. It's like, Hey, what about this? And, from a creative point of view, it gives us a lot of new insights and perspectives. Yeah, I think uh, you know, coming from a creative space, we all we often talk about inspiration, and you know, every kind of creative idea has its genesis somewhere back in time. It's, it's I think it's rare that something is quite so spontaneous. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so in this instance, it seems AI is essentially able to take far more of those influences and far more of those inspirations into account than any one human ever could. To look into this further, so I've taken a look at some of the work that's been done at XR Base. Um, can you talk us through, let's say, some of your favorite projects that you've you've worked on in the past, uh, or perhaps creative applications that you want to explore in the future as well that haven't yet been tackled? Right. So at the moment, I'm uh, working on uh, getting subsidized for a um, flag project. I call this. I want to use artificial intelligence for um, scraping data from different countries and creating which will then on a visual term create flags that are interactive to um, the country's certain um, well output or input um, aspects that's going on within the country so for example Mm -hmm. i'm doing one on gun violence within the united states but also um, one on japan uh, with uh, the amount of birth the birth rate versus the the gray out of society Mm -hmm. right and there's like all this data which is being published by um either governmental institutions or um basically non-profit organizations who scrape this or they they basically they they uh put all this data this data online and then we use an ai to sort through this data and give a most as hopefully a most uh um, detailed depiction of this within a flag, right? So the yeah. flag will basically reflect the current state of a country within a certain parameter. Mm-hmm. And the idea is to have to use this as a um, dialogue opener or like creating creating a moment of dialogue within the, the, the viewer of this flag. So that's a project that uh, we're working on right now. And in the past, we've done some deep fake videos uh, which yeah. are uh, which is which is of course a very interesting topic and and mm-hmm. the idea is that this is uh, this is part of a uh, an exhibit for uh, Marine Museum in uh, Amsterdam or in North Holland and well the idea of course is that you want to start this 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 conversation about what is deepfake and where is it going and how does this change the current how does this change our current view of the world right Mm -hmm. and and because this is a museum we've done this in a historical viewpoint so it's about the cold war and it's a deep fake video about reagan Mm -hmm. and um you know it kind of shows that it's it's about how fake news can create certain well fallouts right yeah um which is this is what this exhibit is about and we're going to go in depth in also explaining how well i mean we changed an historical video but then we're going to talk about how does cyber war and the current uh cyber war which is of course it's somewhat like an extended cold war at the moment where mm-hmm. um, yeah. there's like uh, the, i think it's called active measures um where like we, the public, we don't know what's going on, but there's like this huge, this vast amount of fake media, fake news and all this kind of stuff to just sort of break up democracies and all this kind of stuff. So it's very interesting how um, to talk about these things, especially from a educational point of view, because it's mm-hmm. very important that we know and we can tell or find telltales 
when it's when there's fake media going around and it's going it's getting harder and harder because we have ais learning how to make the best deep fakes and then we have ais learning how to basically recognize deep fakes right so mm-hmm. it's this sort of cold war battle between ais trying to fool each other and, and then when you say something like that it sounds like it's you know straight out of science fiction and it's it's crazy to think now, you know, we're living in a time now where this, as you said, this is the reality. You may not know it, but uh, mm-hmm. in the background, this is this is going on um, uh, in a kind of an online battlefield almost. Yeah, I do definitely. want to come back to what you mentioned there in terms of you know, the deep fakes and identifying fake news, the kind of societal consequences. Uh, just to kind of touch back on the creative space uh, that we were discussing before. Now, I'm sure everyone's come across these stories about you know, AI-generated music that's been used to trick music students uh, or artwork that's generated by, you know, pumping enormous amounts of data into an AI. Do you personally think we're going to see more of this in future? Are we going to see more AI uh, in the artistic and creative space, you know, whether it's music, whether it's paintings or, you know, cinema, whatever else? Do you, do you think AI is going to start playing a greater role in that? Yeah, I think so, actually. Um I'm all, yeah, yeah, definitely, because it's 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 super interesting to see from a creative point of view, right? We we suddenly are gifted this this little black box, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I bet most most people have been in brainstorms, and sometimes you just hit this 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 blind wall of nothingness where you're right in the middle of a brainstorm, or you're try or you have this writer's block, you just mm-hmm. don't know uh where where should the story okay so for example you're writing a book or a script and you're like okay so i'm writing the story these are my uh these are my this is my protagonist and he's doing all this kind of stuff and then after like six pages you hit this mental writer's block or you're just out of inspiration and then here we have this little black box which you have trained on a number a number of different uh, genres or maybe the specific genre that you are mm-hmm. working on yourself and you're like okay well um, I'm just going to give it a couple of uh, cues and I'll just see what comes out of it and then this little black box will probably help you get out of your writer's block move forward you might even incorporate some of the weird twists that it's come up with because you know if you just take a completely AI written script it's it's just really weird but if you <laughs> yeah use some of it or you you know you 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 make it work because of course you can make anything work these days then it becomes very interesting right and also from an artistic point of view it is it is quite interesting to see how we would then interpret the the script written by an ai how would we from a creative point of view how would we would we interpret this as a film or a music video or anything right so mm-hmm. It's it's like we have this new little uh, like this new little brainstorm partner on the table, which will ultimately give us way more new insights into our own creative process. Yeah, it's a, it's interesting to use the phrase black box. Then I think black box is one of those words that or one of the terms that is used quite a lot when it comes to discussing the you know the ethics uh, of AI and especially the the accountability of mm-hmm. AI as well. So if we if, you know if we move away from the kind of creative spaces of AI uh, and we look at some of the more, the ones that have a direct impact uh, on people in in day-to-day lives, AI-driven decision-making, the black box becomes a problem, uh, doesn't it? Because at the end of the day, you're giving it, you know, all these different inputs 
a decision comes out. But the problem is at the moment, we're not quite sure how those decisions are being reached. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you think we can introduce this accountability uh, into AI-based decision-making as we go forward and as it becomes more integrated in our day-to-day lives? Yeah, well, maybe we can make this uh, modular black box, right? So then as soon as we build a part of the black box, we're like, okay, this works, this is this is safe, this is steady, then we can add another part of the black box, um, creating some sort of an architecture within the black box of an AI. Because you're right, it's there's a lot of uh inclusivity problems and of course the bias problems of an ai mm-hmm. where it's it's basically an ai trains itself uh on the reflection of what it sees on the world right now and of course our own world right now is full of it's completely biased it's completely um unbalanced and mm-hmm. and, and in some countries even unhinged right now um so yeah absolutely there is there is this uh it, it's the the thing is that this AI basically gives us a reflection of our own society, right? Mm-hmm. So it it trains on what it sees, and if there's like a predominance of a certain uh, aspect that it trains on, because that's basically what it sees. So, for example, if you if you use it to train on uh, the average, if you if you let an AI look at YouTube as an average of what what humanity is all about then ai might actually start to think that we are all half cat humans or whatever (laughs) um so it's 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 almost as if you want to create an ai you need to take the ai by the hand and create the ai within a world which we've created ourselves which is a world that we think is just and equal right so Mm -hmm just keep the AI away from the internet until it becomes somewhat of a uh, uh, trained AI in somewhat, in some sense. Yeah. Yeah. The internet as a microcosm of humanity is perhaps, you know, not the best representation of a, definitely uh, not. We can be these days, especially since it's, I think there's still 48% of the world population, which isn't even hooked up to the internet right now. So mm. yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the black box part is different is difficult on the other hand we train an ai to to sort of it's based the logic within an ai is probably based on our own logic board right within our own brain you know monkey see monkey do and i think that we we humans we are able to forget and we are able to readapt we get re-educated if we if we yeah. lose a job or if the if the certain you know for example you worked at a factory but the factory is completely being automatized or automated by by robots and then you need to be re-educated to do a different kind of job right mm-hmm. so in a way there needs there need to be certain little back doors or some parameters that we can adjust within ais so that, so it doesn't has doesn't have to be a completely so it's not uh, purely singularly goal oriented but it's something more adaptable well, it shouldn't, yeah it shouldn't it shouldn't yeah. be linear and then we should be able to also reteach or you know, tell it to forget some certain aspects and go like, oh, but this is something you did wrong. Now you have to recalibrate and uh, study a bit more of this, right? So you basically need to create this sort of uh, AI high school system where you have, yeah. because otherwise it's it's also, it's it's almost a waste if we, if we throw away every AI that's being trained, right? I mean, I don't know, it's so much energy and time that goes into it. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you mentioned, of course, um, you know, looking at these biases that we can imprint on AIs and, and going back to what you mentioned previously about 
you know, deep fakes and these fake videos. I, I think when we speak of the internet, that that is a real key issue nowadays, isn't it? It's when so much of us rely on our information coming fr- from online, coming from, you know, whether it's social media, whether it's news websites. And when you have these increasingly sophisticated uh, AIs and these deep fakes, whether it's being used to create them or identify them, then in the end of the day, humans kind of get caught in the crossfire, uh, do you not? Because, you know, we don't quite think on the same level uh, as an AI. So what issues do you see arising from this where we as humans, we as individuals are getting information from both sides that is not created by human beings? Yeah, it's quite difficult, <laughs> especially as, as, as you, know, um, you know, I'm on Instagram a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. so many fun memes going around and, and then sometimes <laughs> you read the comments and then you're really inclined to think like well I, I hardly doubt that people actually even think these days um, where we almost want to we almost prefer not to think where mm-hmm. it's, it's I mean life would be nice if you don't have to right sometimes thinking <laughs> is such a difficult burden to bear um, but yeah we are somewhat caught in the crossfires and uh, I think but then I go back to the educational point of view. Like we really need to still educate kids to keep asking questions and keep looking at the source. Like, is this is this something that you can rely on? Is this true? Um, mm-hmm. Because it's it's very it's very nice. It's very easy, but also somewhat comforting to just want to you know accept the information that's given to you, right? Yeah, I mean, we 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 go to school. And information is given to us and, well, we basically assume it's right because it's school and we we trust that the teachers that are being hired by the board of directors from the school uh, have passed or that all their exams and, and know what they're teaching us, right? So mm-hmm. if we trust all those aspects in life, then why don't we, why can't we trust all the other aspects in life? Why, why doesn't suddenly, as, as soon as you leave school, why does it suddenly become something that we can't trust anymore? Like, you know, it's filled with advertising and marketing schemes and, well, AIs and f- deep fakes and propaganda and whatnot, right? So it's um, even in school, we need to ask ourselves the right questions. Mm-hmm. And I think this whole ask for yourself and, and keep asking has to be, I think it's become more important than actually learning how to do math or almost to learn about, well, I mean, history is very important, but there's like all these aspects in high school or in school anywhere where these days people will just look, look the answers up online anyway. So I think Mm -hmm. it's more about how to use your brain, you know, like from a, for example, design thinking process, um, how learn how to design think or learn how to uh, investigate. Right. So it's, it's, it's like we have to reassess the way that we're being taught how to think rather than, the stuff that's being taught. Absolutely. It's, um, I think back sometimes to, you know, my own kind of high school education and things that I learned, let's say, you know, you're having geography lessons and you're learning about glacial valleys. And I think, okay, you know, it's interesting, but in day-to-day life now, maybe something like critical thinking would have been a better use of the time. But at the end of the day, you know, when you're in high school, could we have seen the developments that we are seeing now? Uh, You know, even 10 years ago, could we have predicted looking forwards, the, the level of misinformation, the level of, you know, the kind of deep fakes that are out there. Do you, do you think there was warning signs along the way or is this something that is really just unprecedented? Looking back from my own, from my own perspective, I remember 
being in high school and the first color screen phone flip phone came out and <laughs> I was I was just completely raffled by the idea that we were soon to be living in a James Bond world and I remember <laughs> getting the first iPhone and jailbreaking mm-hmm. it so I could play games on it because of course <laughs> the first iPhone didn't have, have any games yeah um, but you know just the fact that you were able to l- see your location uh, on Google Ma- or Apple Maps with a uh, five meter variable, which has now become, mm-hmm. I think, one or thirty centimeters. That was that was just thrilling, right? Yeah. And I don't think. Well, I mean, I bet there has been uh, trend watchers with with twice my age who were looking way past beyond the more consumer part of this this new technology paradigm that we were entering. But no, I didn't see any telltales about how we were gonna be, <laughs> how we were gonna yeah. be uh, grabbed by the boo boo uh, <laughs> by technology. <laughs> no, I was way too. Uh, I didn't. I didn't, didn't. Didn't see that far ahead back at that time, actually. But right now, I think it's very wise for both governments and, well, especially governments, but to also, you know, really look at think tanks to see how mm-hmm. they can be ahead of the curve. And also create a new generation of kids that are thought to be ahead of the curve because it's very, we are going to see technology progressing faster and faster. I mean, we all know the law of more. And at Mm -hmm. a certain point, we are not keeping up with the, 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 the speed that that computational power has. I mean, Japan has just released this, the fastest supercomputer in the world, which does about like, I think 550 teraflops. Which wow, is okay. yeah, which is just insane, right? So it's it's really like teaching people how to think and how to be. Uh, I think that's the only well, I mean, the only cure. I wouldn't say cure, but the only sort of um, defense, remedy. Maybe. Yeah, maybe yeah, defense or remedy in a world that we're entering. Like as I said before, when we have this AGI or this AI, which will be our shepherd or our chaperone. Mm-hmm. Maybe chaperone is a better um resemblance because i don't know have yeah. you seen um the series altered carbon uh not personally myself no but um so they have this they have an ai here which then is it's like a hologram holographic ai and it follows you around and um and it has a personality and its personality also becomes you know if 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 it's if it stops if it stops booting up or if it if it doesn't update or whatever it gets this sub, sort of uh amnesia or it's this it, you know it starts uh flating it, it just stops mm-hmm. working and then when it's working it really behaves as your chaperone right and that's that's what i hope mm-hmm. uh an ai or agi will uh, eventually be but we do need to be able how we do need to know how to be better humans right we need to yeah. know how to still not believe everything an ai will tell us it's almost as if everyone will have this little kit that you're teaching how to be your best chaperone, especially in the first 10 to 20 years, probably. I hope. <laughs> it, goes way, it goes way faster than that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then, then I don't think that we actually stand a chance. Well, I hope you enjoyed part one of our discussion with Zeno. And stay tuned for part two coming next week with more insights on AI, what we can learn from science fiction, and how AI can harm or help humanity's future. 
If you have any ideas for the series or you'd like to join as a guest, then please do not hesitate to contact us via email at podcast at smr.org. As always, thank you very much for listening, and I do hope you'll join us again next time.